What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby, and these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life, it chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington, and in this episode, we're going to talk about the Cowboys. And I'm Barry Horn. To hear our other exciting additions, simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Yes, and welcome into another edition of the Ballsy Podcast, brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. I'm Sean Bass, your host today of Sports Radio 1310 and 96.7 FM, The Ticket, joined by Barry Horn here in the magnificent DMN studios. And on our phone line right now, look, we're less than two weeks away from the NFL draft as the Cowboys armed with the 28th pick in the first round. And let's be joined now by Mike Sando, who's a columnist at ESPN.com, an NFL insider, and somebody that knows a whole hell of a lot more about the draft than we do. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. How are you? Uh, doing well. Doing well. Thanks for the time. I know you're on the West Coast, so we do appreciate the time change. Yes, yes, yes. It's earlier here. Yeah, I think we should point out that uh, Evan Grant is also on the West Coast, right. or a, re- a regular, but he's with, with the Rangers, and we'll have a podcast with him at some point today. And also, Kevin Sherrington is on his way in, you know, that pesky North Dallas traffic. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Even though he lives in Highland Park, which is... He doesn't really live in Highland Park, but it's right down the street, and he still is going to be late. Quite the trick for uh, Kevin. Mike, so like I said, we're less than two weeks away, and this is the time of year where everybody has sudden expertism. Uh, But people like you have been following this for quite a while and have a much better handle on the draft than, say, maybe somebody like me or Barry. Hey, 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 speak for yourself. It's just good to be honest with the listener. Now, Mike... From what I read and what I see, and as much as we follow college football, this seems like one of the deeper drafts we've had as far as first-round talent bleeding into the second round, especially on the defensive side of the ball where the Cowboys uh, really need a lot of help. Absolutely. you know, And when you look at the league in general, um, you've got to stop the pass, right? It's a passing league. I know you may have to – hold on a second here. We may have to tape again. My my dog just went nuts, and I'm going to relocate to another <laughs> room. Right. Okay. What kind of dogs are we talking the about? The of the state here, we've got three Boston Terriers who think there's trouble at the door, and I'm just going to go downstairs into my office. I'm the only one home. Oh, hold on here. Oh, wow. Getting home. That's what it is. What, what, are, what are their names? Hold on. Sorry, i got to start over. we got... Uh, we got Coco, the protector of everybody. She, if anyone, I'm, I'm kidding. If, I'm not kidding. If you have a five-year-old that walks threateningly towards our family, she'll kill him. Right. Oh, my God. Uh, we've got uh, Chuck, who's 14 pounds. Chuck Norris, who thinks he's 400 pounds, and he <laughs> thinks he's the alpha. And then we got Duke, who is uh, 30 pounds, but acts like he's three pounds. He's the docile one. Boston's so are full of energy, so... Yeah, my mother had a Boston for years, and it went nuts all the time. Oh, totally. So, yeah, I didn't know my wife was going to get home right now, but she did, and they got excited, so I'm downstairs now. Okay. There we go. So the defensive side of the ball in the Cowboys, there's a number of people that, and, and really a number of positions that Dallas could go with, and it seems like a safe bet at the bottom of the first round. It does to me, too. You know, I feel like 
defensive end and DB are just so obvious for them, and it seems like this draft sets up well at those positions. And when you you know look at the league as it is now, it's become largely a shotgun passing league. Uh, you look in the division itself, the Giants play 11 personnel with three wide receivers like almost 90% of the time. The Eagles have a former quarterback calling their plays. They just signed two pretty talented wide receivers this mm-hmm. offseason, Alshon Jeffrey, one of them. And then in Washington, you've got Jay Gruden, a former quarterback. And I was, I was funny, I was talking to a defensive coach this morning. He reminded me that Jay wakes up every morning, thinks about his first three passes, then brushes his teeth and thinks about his next three passes, right? So <laughs> if you're the Cowboys right now, you already have Rod Marinelli, who wants to kind of trample the run on the way to the quarterback. So to me, you've got to be thinking defense. You've got to be thinking, how do we strengthen that four-man rush, help that rotation? Um, if there's a corner there or a safety there, sure, do it, but... I think those guys on the back end usually look better when you're better on the front end. And, and to me, if, if Dallas can get somebody uh, to help up front, that would just make the most sense. Do you, Mike, do you have a name for us? Or, or several yeah, players? I think might be there? A, yeah, I think there's a couple of guys that you could look at. You know, We've heard a little bit more about Charles Harris from Missouri. I talked to a couple guys this morning who thought, you know, he could be somebody that makes sense uh, for Dallas, and I, I I think his name's appeared in a couple of the 287 mock drafts that have come out uh, <laughs> uh, so far. You know, there's another guy, uh, McKinley from UCLA, I think, uh, whose name has come up. Those are a couple of the guys I would keep in mind, but when you start looking and trying to, to project, and you're picking 28, it's a joke. It's a complete joke because if you look at the if you, if you say there's 50 possible players that can be picked picked among the first 27 before Dallas, you can't even tell how many combinations that could be or who could be there. It's a it's a guessing game for the teams. So unless you're picking fifth, you know, like last year if they're picking fourth, you feel like you have a good idea. I mean, you could name a short list of guys and be right. You could really be surprised. They could get around to Dallas, and it could be something totally unexpected where now teams are wanting to draft quarterbacks and that spot becomes a landing spot for a team like Dallas was last year. Remember when Dallas was trying to get Paxton Lynch? Sure. You could suddenly have a situation where it makes a lot of sense to move back five spots, pick the same guy early in the second round. Uh, Meanwhile, overnight, everyone in Dallas will panic because they didn't pick a player in the first round and didn't solve all their needs. But there's a lot of directions you could go. Joined by Mike Sando of ESPN.com, and we are now joined by Kevin Sherrington in studio of the Morning News, so he's going to join the conversation. You did bring up uh, Takaris McKinley, the uh, UCLA pass rusher, a moment ago, and I want to focus on him because he does have an injury history, but it seems like something that the Cowboys have been very uh, want to do in recent years, especially in the second round, taking guys with an injury history. and uh, Or a weed history. Do you, well, yeah, and do you think a guy like him, because of their past, pops up in a lot of these mock drafts? I, I thought you were asking Kevin. You're asking me. No, I'm asking you. And Kevin's here. <laughs> oh, yeah. He wants to ask. Ke- Kevin's right. got questions not, on not deck. Ke- Kevin's only here for yeah. good looks and charm. Yeah, a- absolutely. Well, you know, when you talk about taking guys with injuries, usually you have to have some stability, um, some security uh, in your organization. I don't think anyone has more security than Jerry Jones, right? I mean, he was already a made man, and now he's going into the Hall of Fame. So he's a really, really, really made man with a quarterback who he likes and a, and a co- 
coach who's under contract in a stadium. He can do whatever he wants. And we saw that last year with the, you know, them taking an injured player. Um, when you, it's funny, when you call up the uh, scouting reports on McKinley, you see words like relentless and just how much he likes to work. And when you think of Rod Marinelli and how they play, I mean, I think the way they play on defense there is a reflection of Rod. They always play hard. They always have guys like that. I think it's why they, you know, one of the reasons, besides their offense did a good job protecting their defense, but it's one of the reasons they probably have overachieved a little bit on defense, especially last season. So when you combine those types of attributes in a player, I think you you feel better about you know, overlooking some other things. I just, I just want to interject here, ask a quick question. Uh, Jalen Smith, the injured, the uh, aforementioned mm-hmm. injured player who they drafted last year, have you heard anything, anything that might give Cowboy fans uh, reason for hope? Uh, well, not, not necessarily that he's going to be the, the top elite player. I mean, I think he's made progress in his rehab, but the question comes down to the nerve. I haven't seen anything that uh, suggests that the nerve has healed to the extent that um, he's going to be as explosive and natural as he was in the past. Um, but we don't know that. I mean, uh, we're not in the, you know, seeing the MRIs. And their own surgeon, their their own team doctor performed the surgery. So they're going to have, a, obviously, the best feel on that. I think, though, if if he were expected to be a huge impact player um, this season, we would have heard about it by now. I think we would hear more optimism. So sounds like a good story that he's on his way back and you know going to try to contribute but that's a serious injury that's almost unprecedented in terms of somebody playing at an elite level afterward mark you may have already answered this question because uh, because barry and i think so much alike um, it's scary it's scary <laughs> uh, but how many guys do you how many starters do you think the cowboys have to get out of this draft is it is it a minimum of two does that do they need to get three yeah, I think I think you always are hoping to get three starters out of the draft. That would probably make it a good draft. Um, how many do they need to get? I mean, I think two. You know, I think two. You, you could certainly make that case, but they're going to be a, I think, a pretty good team for another year. You know, I don't think they're just going to suddenly fall off if they only get one starter out of the draft this year. But I do think they need to get a defensive. You know, probably a, if they get a couple of defensive contributors, um, whether they start the whole year or not. Um, that would be great. I mean, that would really boost them up, I think, on that side of the ball and help them because they lost. I mean, you look at who's there, uh, especially in the secondary. I mean, it gets a it gets a little scary. You know, if one of these guys has an injury this off season, um, there's not a lot to fall back on there. Mike, if there's plenty of defensive ends that you're seeing in mock drafts, and it feels like a deep draft in that area, but Dallas is, I guess. Taking some chances in recent years in the draft, uh, you know, a guy uh, like Demarcus Lawrence comes to mind. Uh, Randy Gregory, they it seems like they struck out on, and you know, they've went and got guys off the scrap heap like a Benson Mayo and whatnot. And I think everybody would be happy with a pass rusher on the outside. Is there anybody in this crop of talent that could possibly be there at twenty-eight as far as the middle? Because I've seen a number of writers say, "Who Dallas would like a war daddy to be maybe be a run stop or even a pass rusher from the defensive tackle spot." Is there anybody that could you know be a a match there at twenty-eight? Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned that because I was putting together a column this uh, this week that's going to run tomorrow on you know draft trades that should happen and and we were talking about Sheldon Richardson and the guy I was talking to from is actually from another team inside the NFC East was saying 
Cal Dallas would be the perfect spot to add a player like that, except the fact that he's going to make a lot of money and it may not fit <laughs> into the cap. So right. um, I get a little nervous with the interior defensive lineman taken in, in that area. Look at what you know Arizona took one there last year, and you know hasn't done much. Uh, if you look at um, you know Green Bay, I think last year took a player at that position. Uh, internally, and I know I know personally know other people in that division who are like, God, I'm glad they didn't get another weapon for Rodgers because that guy who plays 250 snaps on the nose, um, we don't care about him. You know what I mean? And comes off the field on third down. So I suppose if there's somebody who falls and it's just an amazing value, yes, but that doesn't excite me as much for what they need. Do you think, Mike, that the Cowboys, Jerry Jones? Expects too much from Rod Marinelli. He, he, you know, he always seems to pat, patch together defense. And Jerry goes, ah, "We'll just leave it to Rod. We'll, we'll, he doesn't need elite players. We'll, we'll just whatever he'll he'll use whatever we get for him." Um, yes and no. I mean, I think it's a tribute to Rod Marinelli that he's able to get a lot out of his defense. And I think you know, you still need to be able to rush the passer to close out games and beat the good quarterbacks in the playoffs. And Rod Marinelli's not going to be able to manufacture elite pass rush talent. Now, he can get guy, a group of guys playing hard and playing well together. Um, so, you know, that's a bonus. That's not a negative. But uh, every team has strengths in some places and money in some places and weaknesses in others. And it's not necessarily part of the plan. It kind of works out that way. You know, we're always trying to reverse engineer how this team won a Super Bowl or that. I live in the Seattle area. People think that their plan was to not have a good offensive line. That's total bull. They've drafted first-round offensive linemen the whole way, and it just didn't work out. You know, they wanted to have a really good offensive line. No one should try to do exactly what they tried to do to win it all because it wasn't even their plan. I mean, they lucked into their quarterback even, and so did Dallas, right? So it's not as we, – we look back, and it makes so much sense what they've done, but – that's not the way it goes. I mean, they could have just as easily stumbled upon some elite pass rusher as they stumbled upon an elite quarterback, possibly. You know what I mean? Speaking of the Seattle area, Mike, um, there's been some speculation, you know, and of course there's been lots of speculation about Richard Sherman getting traded, and there has been yeah. speculation that he might come this way. Uh, it, it might cost the Cowboys a one and say a five or something like that. Is that a, uh, you know... I know fans love to hear the fact that there are lots of good cornerbacks in the draft, and, and that's all great. But uh, there's not a Richard Sherman in this draft, at least at 28, is there? Yeah, I couldn't see Dallas doing that because of the amount of money that Sherman's making. And, uh, you know, you, you would be a great fit. I mean, God, that would be a nice, wonderful player to add. Uh, but, you know, he's going to make $22 million over the next two years, and we we'll probably want a new deal, right? Right. So, are you do you want to get a guy on the downside? You have to then give up a first round pick. I mean, I just to me, I don't see a team. I don't see why a team would want to do that, um, even though it would be a flashy move and it would definitely make them better. It just feels like that's not how you use a draft pick. Mike Sando, older player who could be declining. Mike Sando of ESPN.com, a columnist and NFL insider joining us talking draft here on the Ballsy Podcast. And you said you're, you know, you're up in the Seattle area. You probably see a good bit of Pac-12 football. And 
you know, the Cowboys have definite needs at corner and safety, and you've seen a number of those DBs in that conference. Just a few names just uh, we've seen connected late in the first round. Kevin King, uh, Husky, also Sidney Jones, Dory Jackson, who's a bit of a smaller corner, but a very talented USC Trojan. Do you see any, any of those being a fit? Or will they even slip into round two where Dallas could nab one uh, with their uh, 60th pick? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think you, you see a Dory King and Kevin King uh, – uh, I mean, sorry, Dory Jackson and Kevin King in you know various projections linked to Dallas because they're some of the higher ranked corners and and could go there. I mean, I've seen up to twelve, fourteen corners that go you know in in the early rounds. So you could definitely see one of them being available in the second round. You could certainly see Dallas waiting until then before taking one, especially if they have an opportunity to help their front seven. I think generally that's harder to do. I think generally your front seven, your pass rush helps your corner more than the other way around. So I would almost lean that way, see which one of those corners in a deep corner draft is available after the first round. And while I think it can be overrated to say that Rod Marinelli doesn't have to have talented corners because, let's face it, when you play a fair amount of cover three, you're not going to have help for those guys always on the outside. Um, There's still something to be said for the fact that – you know, he's had successful defenses without having, you know, top 10, top 15 cornerback talents always uh, back there. What well, what would the Cowboys be getting in Richard Sherman? Um, wow. That's just a really fascinating question uh, because Richard Sherman is, I think, has somewhat worn out his welcome a little bit in Seattle. And I think what happened last year when he called out the offensive coordinator um, was straight out of the sort of stuff that Dallas went through with for a while with Des Bryant when he was kind of a little bit of a sideshow. Very good player, but there were there was always something going on. And I felt like this last year it crossed it crossed over from being. Uh, hey, that's just Richard, and we have a lot of guys in this locker room who, you know, kind of march their own drummer to being a little bit, it has a little bit more of an edge to it. I mean, he took on a reporter and said something like, I'll ruin your career. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he called out the offensive coordinator by name. So I think he has a couple more really good years in him. I think he can still be elite corner, especially when he plays outside, when he gets moved inside for various reasons. It's harder for him. I think he can be a lead a couple more years. But that side of it where it becomes a potential distraction for the team, that was something new this past year. And so I think Seattle's taken a little bit of a hard line with him. And I'll be interested to see how that carries over into this year because he's never been someone ever to say, hey, you know what, I was wrong. I messed that up. Oh, the Kevin, the Kevin Charrington of uh, DBs. Oh, stop <laughs> it. Stop it. He always ups the ante. Richard always ups the ante. So, you know, great player. Um, but I think that would be an in, he could be an interesting addition somewhere, you know, if a trade goes in, because you are getting somebody who, um, you know, kind of, he, he, he may not just come in and, Blend in quietly. So if you if uh, if there's going to be problems uh, in Seattle uh, dealing with him, would they would they take a two 
Well, instead of a one for him? Oh, look at you, Mr. Burke. I'm thinking about I don't this. think so. I don't think that they would because I think they need him. I mean, I think the bottom line is they need a corner in this draft, whether he's on the t- even if he's on the team. I just don't see how you get rid of one of your very best players still on defense um, at a position that's very important to you. When you just had your other corner, Deshaun Shedd, blew his knee in the playoffs, and it was already a position where you were taking chances on guys like Kerry Williams in the last couple of years and trying to patch. I think they need the guy. They would they, they would get worse without him, and it would take some real you know borderline arrogance to get rid of him and think that you're going to for sure get a guy or two in the draft to fill in. Now they do have three third round picks, and they are bold. So I wouldn't rule it out. I just think. It would be a hard thing for me to do. What what if the um, what if the Cowboys threw in a corner uh, into the trade? Oh, that's right, they don't have they any. don't have any corners. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I put together. A, I've got on my screen here. I put together the, the corners on their team. Their their highest drafted corner, meaning you know, just by any team, was Leon McFadden in the third round. The other guys are fifth, fifth, sixth, and three college free agents. Wow pretty good team building if you can uh build a secondary that way uh a few quick uh, i guess big global draft things uh, kind of getting away from the cowboys yeah so the browns i mean i know this is dallas texas and we don't really care about what the browns do but they have the first pick and a local guy in miles garrett is probably going to go number one to them how much of this mitch trubisky talk is just them trying to drum up possible interest from another team to yeah. uh, trade for that number one that's sure what it feels like to me i mean They've had a million chances to take quarterbacks early and didn't do it. And so now they're all of a sudden going to love Mitch Trubisky, who's had 13 starts so much that they're going to take him over somebody who seems like everyone else's no-brainer. I mean, to me, that just feels like the type of stuff that you get dumb or paying attention to as the draft gets closer. You're almost better off right now just putting on your earmuffs. And oftentimes, I guess some drafts are defined by the quarterback class. Who do you see standing out in this particular crop? Yeah, well, I go to all the Gruden quarterback camps for the last four years, and mm-hmm. so I get to sit there for four hours while John interrogates these poor young men. No, he talks to them for three <laughs> or four hours. They, they boil it down to 30 minutes of TV, but right. there's a lot on the cutting room floor that I get to see. And I thought, I thought Pat Mahomes was the most interesting guy, and I, I think that was John's number one guy, the, the most intriguing guy, the guy he I think he would like to take the most and work with. And he told me, you know, that there's – couple other coaches he knows who felt the same way so that's the most intriguing guy to me because uh it was fun. i was talking to, to a personnel guy yesterday so watching his tape is like watching uh you know michael vick on the madden game in the 90s you know just unbelievable feats of physical prowess with some head scratching plays in there too by so, the way barry and kevin uh, have no idea what you're talking about with the madden reference but i i'm, I'm wow, right there with you yeah because we're old but but here's my question were you there when Dak Prescott was at the uh, Gruden camp, and what was what, what was your initial reaction when to, to him at the camp? And have you been yeah. certainly you've been surprised by his his play last year? Yeah, but he was a very very positive. And, and I go into these things. I mean, you'd think that I'm watching all the college games every week. I'm traveling every Saturday. I don't see these guys as consistently. And so when I show up, it's a little bit of a blank slate. We're in March and. I get to sort of take it all in, and he was so impressive. Now, the one thing people wondered was 
how accurate was he as a passer, and that was some, somewhere where he had improved in, but he made an incredibly good uh, impression. Number one, he asked John to come to his office after the Senior Bowl, or maybe it was before the Senior Bowl, on his own. Go to show up with John in Tampa, made a really big impression there. Then, this is something I've never seen. Usually we'll tape, you know, one guy on a Tuesday, maybe another guy on Wednesday, and then that's until the next week. Well, Dak had his session, and then the next day I'm on the field watching the workout for the next guy, and I look over, and there's Dak. He had stayed. He was still there. I mean, he seemed to check all the boxes from type of guy you'd want to have on your team. And I just remember John saying the DUI thing was totally not representative of who he was and shouldn't be used against him. And he thought he was by far the number one dual threat quarterback in the draft. And so I had real optimism for him uh, and wasn't as excited, certainly about Jared Goff. Now I was excited about Wentz, but um, you know I'm not shocked at all that the Prescott has looked good and looked better than Goff looked just because of where he went and the type of player that he is. You mentioned, uh, going back to Pat Mahomes, uh, one of the things that uh, it's uh, interesting to me that uh, he was so far off everybody's radar, and it seemed like it was such a long time for him to get uh, in the position that he's in now, even as a possible first-round pick. Uh, and, and I think a lot of people had dismissed him as a as another Texas Tech system quarterback. And if you and I did see him play quite a bit. And if you saw him play, uh, he, first of all, he carried that team uh, and and made so many plays from such unusual angles that uh, that he was just terrific. And of course, he's a great athlete. He was a terrific baseball player. His father was a very good baseball player. So he's got the bloodlines. He's got everything going for him. Um, I. You know, and he's a very bright kid. Besides all that, uh, so I, I think really, to me, now he may not be able to play right away like Dak did, but I think this kid has a tremendous ceiling. I, I think that uh, he, he looks like uh, a, he could be a star. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I did in looking at, I do this just looking at quarterbacks in general because it's a great way to just sort of cut through the bowl. But if you look at when I, when I look at quarterbacks, I look at what types of games they've won. And what I mean by that is everybody wins the games when your defense doesn't allow a lot of points, right? I mean, it's really easy, and that's why a lot of guys have really great one-loss records in college is because the other team's scoring 14 or 17 points a game. Alabama quarterbacks, right. Right. So, it doesn't happen uh, in Lubbock, though. <laughs> so, so with Mahomes, this is what was interesting. He was 7-16 and 16 in games where the other team scored 30 or more points. Number one, that was way more games than other people had. And number two, in those games, the other team averaged 48 a game. <laughs> and the other quarterbacks that went to quarterback camp, in, in, even if you look at only the games where the other team scored more than 30, the average was like 36, 37. This guy was playing at such a greater disadvantage of the other guys that colors your impression of a guy from afar, right? The wins and losses, how he's doing. You have to account for how hard the games were for him to win. Yes. And he still won a decent amount of them. Yes, he did. He was the reason why so, they were even close. I mean, that those were some terrible teams that he played on. The defenses were just awful. Mike? Yeah. Yep, it, yep. It's troubling in college usually as a quarterback if you don't win. and but But if you're going against that type of a hill to overclimb. I mean, 
good luck. Nobody wins those games. Mike, we promise not to keep you too long, but I have to ask you a question before you leave. You're behind a paywall. What is the best cheat to get for people to get your stuff without having to pay for it? Hey, hey, that does not happen. Let me give you so the, the, the reason I like ESPN Center the most is because of their lineup assistance for fantasy. I mean, it's like cheating, right? I mean, it just does like here tells you who you need to put in your lineup. So I was beating my own son, who's uh, now he's 15, he's probably 13, and using ESPN Insider for a fantasy league. And he was like, Dad, come on, this is unfair. I made him pay. So <laughs> it's my own son. I told him, when you pay, you, you have to go in on one of my stories, because then I get credit that somebody subscribed reading one of my stories. So, hey. You are on your own. If my son's on his own, you're on your own. <laughs> thanks. Thanks. Good for Nobody you. rides for free, Mike. Thanks so much for the time today. Uh, look forward to the rest of your draft covers leading up to our big event in Philadelphia in two weeks. And let's do this down the road as we get closer to the actual season. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay. Right. We have your cell number now. You'll be hearing from us. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thank, thank you. Thanks, Mike. Okay. And there he goes. Mike right. Sando, columnist okay. at ESPN.com, NFL Insider. Insider. Outstanding stuff there. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, it's it's good to have somebody who's actually talking to people uh, and not somebody sitting in their basement uh, coming up with this stuff. You know, he does a terrific job. And I, I, I should have brought up, I knew this that he, he goes to all the uh, uh, camps with John Gruden and yeah. he sits there and watches and he's kind of, he's kind of like, uh, you know, he does all the work. Gruden does the showbiz, but, but Mike does all the work. And it was, interesting, it was interesting to hear what he had to say about Dak last year. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of quarterbacks, we're going to talk to Babe Loffenberg, who knows a little bit of something about playing quarterback, and the Cowboys need a number two behind Dak Prescott. I, I, th- I think so. Let's. Should we get to Babe now, or should we make him wait? No, oh, let's go to Babe. Let's now. go to Babe All now. Right. All right, let's get to Babe. And now it's Babe Loffenberg, the uh, lead analyst on the Cowboys Radio Network, joining us here on the Ballsy Podcast. Babe, hello, good morning, and uh, thanks for joining us. And we do want to talk about QB2s and just where the Cowboys are going to go behind Dak Prescott now that Tony Romo is uh, in the booth uh, for CBS. And Kellen Moore obviously is in the mix, but I don't know about you, but I sort of feel like they're ushering him to possibly be a quarterback's coach one day. (laughs) Well, they're ushering all those guys to be quarterback coaches one day, right? Wade Wilson, Jason Garrett, not a bad job, by the way. Yeah, My sources say they're they're ushering him to be a radio analyst. Well, I don't know that Kellen Moore would be that. I don't know if he has quite that personality, but I I do like him, and I do laugh when people talk about, well, the only one that likes Kellen Moore or his biggest advocate is Scott Linehan. Well, that's the guy that's seen him the longest because he had him in Detroit, and he's been around him, obviously, here. So, And he's obviously an NFL offensive coordinator and a pretty darn good one at that. So uh, I always find it funny that, Kellen Moore is somewhat slighted because Linehan likes him. Well, that's the guy with the most knowledge about him. But I like Kellen Moore, but I'm, I'm a firm advocate that you draft another quarterback this year. I, I, If you've ever followed anything I say, I'm an advocate that you almost draft one every year. This is the Ron Wolf philosoph- uh, philosophy, and I've written about that as well, that you that you just go ahead and take one, develop them, and see what happens. And the, and the great thing about them is the one position – where the guy ends up being an investment if things work out well, and that it, it actually appreciates. You, you see all the time situations, certainly the Packers always did that, where they kept a guy for a couple of years, when it, and the few times he got to play, he looked pretty good. And the next thing you know, a team's offering you a three or a four uh, for him, and you, and you only spend a six or a seven. Are you, are you really thinking the Cowboys, who have a history of ignoring 
uh, quarterbacks in the draft. Would actually two years in a row take a quarterback in the draft, babe? I'm not obviously privy to the draft room and the draft information, but I think two years ago they saw what happened when they got caught kind of with their pants down, if you will, and they, they didn't have anybody there. There was nobody there on the roster that had been there. I, you know, they had Brandon Whedon for his second year in the offense, but uh, yeah, I think there's no question. We, we all know this is no secret. I wish I, this was uh, a revelation that I'm about to make, but it's not. The quarterback is the most important position by far on the field. Um, if you don't have one, you're not going to win. So Dak Prescott's healthy, obviously, all 16 or 17 games last year. No guarantee to any of that. And so if he gets hurt, you throw your hands in the air and say, ah, gosh, we didn't, we didn't know he was going to get hurt. <laughs> so, I, 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 And I agree with Kevin. They become valuable Trade commodities, if nothing else. Look, excuse me. Look at Jimmy Garoppolo. What, what's he gonna? You know, they wouldn't. They wouldn't part with him this year. But you know, what is what is he worth to another team right now? Obviously, a lot and a lot more than than the Patriots gave up for. Well, babe, it doesn't seem like drafting a quarterback is something the Cowboys would do. At least with all the defensive needs they have coming up in a few weeks in the draft. But let's look at the free agent market and just how it's all played out. They lose Mark Sanchez. He uh, signs with the Bears to be a backup for at least a season. Uh, they had their well, eye he on signed with the Bears to be a quarterback. True, true. But <laughs> but but from a financial standpoint, he's not making the dollar that uh, Glennon got from them, uh, which he, we can openly question that decision if we want. But then McCown, who was brought in uh, for a visit this off season, he signs with the Jets. That was uh, bef- that was during the whole Romo uncertainty period. Uh, just do you feel like there is a free agent out there that could be a a good fit in front of a Kellen Moore behind Dak Prescott? No, not really. I, I would rather stick with the guy that's been around, been in the offense, and this would be Kellen Moore's third year uh, with the Cowboys, but even more than that with the offense, because again, he was with Scott Linehan in Detroit. Um, so I like that. I like the continuity of that. Again, I'm a Kellen Moore fan. Now, is he going to be the, the next coming of Peyton Manning? I'm not saying that, but is he as good as anything else that's out there that they would bring in to compete against him? I would say yes. Um, and again, I think I would I, I would bring in a veteran, and I'd draft a rookie this year. I would definitely get one out of the draft, try to develop them. And the Cowboys were, you know, unsuccessful with a couple, obviously. They, I'll go all the way back to 1990. They drafted Bill Musgrave in the fourth round. He never made the team. Uh, obviously, about 10 years ago, they drafted, uh, help me out, the uh, Steve second round. Stephen McGee. Quincy Steve Carter, McGee. and then I guess Stephen was after Quincy? Yeah. 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 After Quincy, yep. yeah. And, and Stephen McGee, you know, never made it, but to me, he was a good draft pick. Fourth-year guy who had not played a ton in college. And football was important to him. He was a physical guy. Uh, and you, you just you got to keep throwing those darts at the board, you know. And then they took another one in the fourth round, obviously, with Dak Prescott, and he did work out. And Tony Romo worked out as a free agent. So I don't care if you're picking at the top of the draft. And we've seen Cleveland, I won't say screw up, but you know, quarterback is... is a, Go ahead, say yeah, You can say it. It's fine. Say it. Go ahead. Well, it's happened. Well, you can say it, but they, they tried to throw numbers at the position, going all the way back to Tim Couch with their first pick when they reorganized at the Cleveland Browns and came back into the league. But, you know, they've taken number one. They've taken Whedon. They've taken Johnny Manziel. But you just got to keep doing it until you find one where you say, that's the guy. And once you find the guy, in today's NFL, that guy's going to play 10 or 15 years for you. Don't you think it's changed? To me... Uh, I'm not a huge, I'm not as big of a Kellen Moore fan as you are, 
But to me, I think you're right. It makes a big difference when the guy has been in the offense for a couple of years, and he knows, and he was in it before that because in Detroit with Linehan. Uh, And it's different. It's a different set of circumstances now. Before you had Tony Romo, and to me, you really needed a top-notch backup quarterback at that point. I I preferred a veteran guy who could step in because who knows how Tony's going to do. We all know that anybody can get hurt, but the chances of Dak Prescott having a serious injury, or certainly as serious as one as Tony sustained, Probably a lot less, and so. But he can get hurt. He can get hurt. True. Miss a couple of games, and that and that could be that could be the whole season. But right but there. what I'm saying is that Kellen. Listen, if you go down to your second quarterback, and you got to play your second quarterback for ten games or twelve. No, games, no, not ten, ten games. How about two or three games? I think Kellen Moore's fine for two or three. And games. it also depends on when that happens. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think it makes that big. I, to me, I, and I like the idea of having the young guy to develop. You know, we've got a we've got a, a guy here who is the number two, and then a guy to develop. Now they have uh, I, I, going back to the Stephen McGee pick. Uh, you know, I watched Stephen McGee play in college. You know, he's a tough kid. He's a great kid, uh, right. but boy, he was not a quarterback. Uh, and and so I, I just think that you, you can make you can make better decisions on that kind of thing. And I think uh, and to me, it, it's what you said in this draft: a sixth or seventh rounder on uh, on a quarterback. I don't have any problem with that because. How many of those guys are that they've drafted in the sixth or seventh round have stuck anyway? And if you could get one that was a quarterback, why not to avoid having to compete with somebody to sign him as a free agent? Well, I'll go. I'll go up higher than that. I'll go. I'll go third or fourth round for that quarterback. Third, well, third or fourth, third round. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Can they can they well, draft a quarterback me. slash cornerback? <laughs> show, me, show me the fourth rounder that this team. That is on this team right now. That this team could not win without Anthony Hitchens, hard <laughs> Dak Prescott, good player. No, good player. Dak good Prescott, player. but but you can find yeah. well, Dak Prescott. Very well, a quarterback. Show me the second rounder on this team. Well, you're right. So this I'm team has done a terrible job say, of drafting in the second round. Yeah, if I was to say, well, let's use a second rounder on a quarterback, you'd say, oh my, we can't do that. We'll look at the second rounders. Yeah, of the, over the last decade. The problem is with this draft, at least, though. At least the, to 2010, yeah, but babe, not a contributor amongst them. In this draft, if you, you you're going to have Trubisky, Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes, uh, Deshaun Kaiser probably go in the first round. But after that, it really Davis Webb is intriguing to some. I think he might be gone before the third round. But if you just look at the right. crop this year, I don't think there's that guy that's worth taking a three or a four on. That's that that's the so issue once, this year. Once you get past that that those top four guys, it really is. Uh, you know, you've got Peterman from Pittsburgh, maybe. Chad Kelly right. would be off my draft board. Yeah. Uh, this team doesn't need that. Uh, I don't think any team does, quite honestly. So, Wow. Well, Is that the Mississippi, no, Chad? Yeah, Mississippi. Yeah, he's yeah. the one that went to last chance U, the yeah. junior college, yeah, and then had to uh, yeah. get, get things right. Manzel, he's yeah. Johnny Manziel light without the talent. <laughs> yeah. Okay, babe, real quick. Not a good so, thing. I mean, and as a quarterback, you can deal with a receiver or one of those positions, and you say, we'll try to tolerate the guy for as long as we can, but you, you can't bring in a, a guy with his character issues Speaking of his ca- past at quarterback. Speaking of character issues, and I don't know if he has serious character issues as far as in the locker room, but a name that's not popular these days that's still out there is Colin Kaepernick. And I'm not saying the Cowboys need to you know, throw a contract at him in the offseason, but is. We continue to move forward into the spring to the summer. His value has gone down and down, and obviously the Cowboys might have you know some cap issues. But if he gets to a certain price, would you gamble on that? And keep in mind, Jerry Jones 
is Jerry Jones, and that would be a name that would probably uh, did, give did him you some say buzz. Cap issues with Kaepernick? Yeah, well, that's pretty funny. Oh, my oh very nice. Um, he probably would not be on my radar, and and not for the for necessarily you know the, the issue with the national anthem mm-hmm. and all that. But um, I just think when you, when you bring on a different type of player, different a guy that brings some issues. I won't say baggage, but I'll say issues to the situation. You, know, you better be worth the attention that's going to be gathered for your football team. We and, t- and I'm just not sure if Colin Kaepernick, hey, Tom Brady could burn the flag, right? <laughs> and, and you, I'd say, go, I'd say, go get him. Yeah, go absolutely. Him. Provided Rick Monday isn't in center field to grab oh, him before. You know. Rick Monday, what a great Somebody reference. Yeah, isn't it? But with a line and a running game and Kaepernick being mobile, you could sort of understand how that could possibly work if Dak Prescott had to miss, like Barry said, two, three, four games. Yeah, but what if Dak Prescott has a couple of bad games? Oh, no, I don't think. (laughs) And and then people will be saying... I think Romo leaving has thrown that out the window heading into next year. I think they are married to Dak. I know they're married to Dak, but I'm talking about fans. I'm talking about fans. Dak goes out has two... Mediocre games, less than mediocre games. There'll be people, and he was here. Kaepernick was. People will be screaming for him. I don't think well, they'll they always for him. Do. Kaepernick. They always do. One of my favorite stories is the great Y. A. Tittle. Um, I was at an event in Washington D.C. back when I was playing for the Redskins, and he was getting inducted into the Touchdown Club of Washington Black Tie event. All that he said. There's four stages to a quarterback's career. He said, "You're young and promising." And at the time, I, I liked it because I was young and promising. Yeah. <laughs> they, hadn't figured, they hadn't figured me out yet. But you're young and promising. <laughs> Said stage two, you become the backup, and everybody wants you to play because they know the starter isn't worth a damn. Stage three, you become the starter, and they wonder how the hell the coaching staff could be so stupid as to play this guy because he's awful. And he said, stage four, they throw you dinners and tell you how great you are. <laughs> and, and I think that it, I, you know, we laugh, but I think that is the natural progression. Just watch how great Tony Romo will be for Cowboy fans five years from now. They'll yeah. be throwing him dinner. I, I think, he, I think he, he's already been elevated. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm shocked by it. And that's what I wanted to ask you about, babe. First of all, were you surprised that he decided to take this gig and not try to come back with somebody else? Um, hard for me to get into his head, and I haven't spoken to him. So I always say I have a hard time answering questions for myself, let alone for other people. But I, I think to a certain extent... Um, he may have looked around and, you know, the interest that maybe he thought would be there or some people thought would be there wasn't there. Um, nobody was clearly ready to trade for him. Uh, I don't think anybody's trying to talk him out of the CBS booth now. It was a, I don't want to say a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but if Peyton Manning decides next year that he, he wanted to be the number one analyst for CBS. Peyton was going to be the number one analyst, um, so it was a, it was probably an opportunity that was unique that presented itself. And um, we'll, we'll see how well he does at the job. But and, and I will say this: I've said this to many people. If I was someone who loved Tony, I would have recommended him to retire. Is it is it possible? Because we keep hearing this time and time again. Mid-season comes along, some quarter, no, no, some quarterback no. gets hurt. <laughs> it's, 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 it's impossible to, to come out of the booth in October to or come November. come out of that booth. 
to come out. Well, well, yeah, to come out of that booth. I, I, th- I think you know he's made a commitment and he and he can't come out. But yet, I, I r- keep running across people all the time who say he'll be back playing this year. Well, there were probably the same people that said, I think you're going to introduce them at the Masters. And I said, are you crazy? <laughs> the Masters people are going to say, yeah, go ahead and promote football on they, 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 they put the kibosh on that pretty quick. CBS would have loved to have done it, I promise you. Oh, of course. And, and Fox would have done it. <laughs> well, that's why Fox doesn't have the Masters. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but no, here's the thing, too. With his back condition and... He would have to have a very, very strict workout regimen. And doing his job, and especially uh, early in the season, correct me if I'm wrong here, Barry, but I believe CBS has the early part of the Thursday-Sunday game. Yes, he'll be, he'll be, although he doesn't, so there are some weeks when they do the Thursday night game, CBS is a team, the, their number one team, it was Nance and Sims, now it'll be Nance and Tony, they get the weekend off. But you're right. Oh, on this? Yeah. But you're right. So, He'll, he but he has to prepare for two games. games. Yeah, two games, and then I know you say, "Oh, you just got your talk." But anybody that has done it knows it. Uh, it's a grind, and um, it'd be a grind for him, and especially for him, um, getting his obviously his first foray into broadcasting to do two games at the start is going to be uh, pretty daunting for him. So anyway, long and short is. He would need to be on such a strict workout uh, routine that he won't be able to do it and come out of the booth. And uh, I mean, he would be a, he obviously is an injury liability. Um, even if he was working out all offseason this year, we'd, everybody would still wonder, God, can he make it through a game? He made it through three plays last year in Seattle preseason. So for him to come out of the booth with his physical condition, I just think there's no way. And that's not to mention the third kid on the way? Maybe gaining a few LBs with a little sympathy weight, and then all the buffets that we partake in on these road games. You got to test out the fare at all the different uh, stops around the league. You know that as good as anybody, babe. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, well, that, that could be too. Maybe he's going pound for pound with Candace. As they, as wow. Well, we all saw him in the Mavericks jersey. It's a, it's a thing. Wow. <laughs> so, babe, babe, everybody says this is easy. It's an easy job to be an analyst, a radio analyst, a TV. Uh, uh, an A-team analyst on, on network television. And I think I think people think it's easy because people do it so well, they make it look easy. How hard is it? Well, I always say about, like, TV, people say, boy, is it hard? Is, how, boy, how do you do that? And, I, and I'll always say, no, it's not that hard. But if people say, well, that's easy, you just look at a camera and you talk. And I say, well, it's not. Well, you do TV. Yeah, so I've done, yeah. And, um, yeah. I, I think the most, the most important thing, and and it's why players fail in their second careers or third careers or what have you, to be an NFL player, I mean, just to make it to the NFL, uh, unless you're unworldly talented, you've got to work pretty hard. You've, there's, there's a lot of people that want your job, a lot of people that want your job. But in fact, basically, the, the unique thing about professional sports is whether you're baseball, basketball, anybody that can, anybody that can be an NBA player, anybody is going to be an NBA player. There are computer programmers that might have gone into engineering, might have gone into architecture. So it's a whole different. You, you, your field is much narrower. So you have to work really hard anyway to, to get there. And then the guys that sustain careers past two or three years, 
uh, they work hard to stay there. If they put the same time and energy and devotion into their second job, they put into the first. But I think a lot of guys get out and they, they think, well, this will be this next job is easy. I don't have to work as hard. And consequently, they fail. The one thing about Tony is um, I'm, I'm almost positive that he's going to approach that broadcasting career the same way he did studying for games and football. And we've seen, we've seen great players not translate into great broadcasters. Joe Montana may have been the greatest quarterback of all time, but he lasted a year. Right. So for whatever reason, whether it's personality, command of the English language, wanting to work, uh, there, there are ways that you can fail. I know if Tony fails, and that's an if, I didn't say when, I said if he fails, it won't be because he didn't work hard enough at it. I'm almost sure of that. Wait, before we let you go, I just want to ask you one question. A lot of people were surprised when Troy Aikman made the transition, and it was such a successful transition, albeit yeah. that he did not start on the number one team. They brought him along slowly. We had Ed Gorin on the podcast last week who explained the progression to us. Uh, I've had this great lead-in, and, for- and I've totally forgotten my Oh, play. my oh, gosh. No. Oh, no, no, no. I got, I got it back. Oh, my gosh. Were you, you talking about Romo's did, like, did you know? Did you know? Did you <laughs> know that Aikman would be Aikman <laughs> on TV? I, I would love to say yes, but I, I can't say that I, I knew he was going to be this good because, obviously, he, you know, he's on the number one team at Fox, and he does a great job. Um, and I will say this. I, Troy's in that position. Troy got that position because he was a three-time Super Bowl-winning quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. And he's a Hall of Famer, and he's an MVP of the Super Bowl. That's how he got the job. He keeps the job because he's really good at it, and he works hard at it. I know how hard he works. We talk all the time, and <laughs> we, you know, we, we exchange ideas and notes and things of this nature, and I just know how hard he works. And that's what kept him at the top. But to say you, I don't think anybody... Hey, when they started out with John Madden, I don't think anybody goes into broadcasting saying that guy will be the best. Chris Collinsworth, I'm sure when he started out, uh, you know, bright guy, he, he got his law degree, um, able to communicate well. But what, what is that little thing that allows a guy to kind of transcend the sport and just become that great broadcaster? I don't know. You know, Charles Barkley was a funny guy. Did anybody say this Charles Barkley? There's a lot of funny guys in sports. You guys have been around them. And it doesn't necessarily translate to being good on TV or the radio. Uh, Barkley did it, uh, brought that same personality. Shaq, who was very funny as a player, has not brought that personality uh, to the television screen. I think we can all agree on that. Yes, we agree. Well, babe, we know that Tony's going to work hard at his craft. We know for a fact that you work hard at your craft and you're good at what you do, calling games with Babe on the Cowboys Radio Network. Brad, with Brad. uh, That's Babe. With Brad. Brad. Sorry. (laughs) Get my Brad's and my Babes mixed up. But, hey, thanks for the time today, Babe, and uh, we will talk to you soon. My pleasure. Always always fun to be on with these guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you. There he goes. he, he, He didn't even mention us by name when he left us. These guys. It's like. He's just some of you guys. You guys. I always think when guys leave, they, they really don't know who they were talking to. <laughs> I guarantee you he has no idea who I am. Oh, even that's though, not Even true. though we both got locked out of Lambeau Field two seasons ago in December. Together. Yes, because we were both the last off the media bus, and uh, for whatever reason, Babe was getting his bag, and I was getting my bag, and we were near the back, and then everybody else went in, and they shut the uh, – 
the big, I guess, bay door on us. So we had to talk to people to talk our way into Lambo. Wow. Before we even went through the checkpoint. Well, I know he knows who I am because I've paid for enough of his meals over, okay. over the years. Okay. Wow. He used to be my neighbor. And we, he's read Kevin for sure. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. uh And he knows he knows Kevin. He was Kevin's he went from being my neighbor, then he made it big time and he went to be Kevin's neighbor. Whoa. That's true. And he was he right moved, around the corner. He, he moved he moved way up in the world. Well, he we did. got a at a Plano moved in, to Dallas. In, into fashionable got out of the suburbs, but got into to, Dallas where everybody's trying <laughs> to do. Yeah, into the fashionable Sherrington. Uh, I, I think so one of the things we learned in this, and we talked about before with Babe, was that how offended he is by the term backup quarterback. Boy. He didn't. He didn't talk about that on the podcast, but he talked about it before. I think. I think you know he's a little sensitive to that, as you might imagine. But you know, here's the thing, because we don't refer to other positions that way. There's only one quarterback. There's there's two at least two of everything else mm-hmm. except maybe tight end, uh, and we and we would say but that, that that sometimes the second tight end gets on the field right yes so, especially in sometimes the, the second now? running back gets on the field yes. the second quarterback almost never gets on the field right. so that's why we call them backup oh why weren't you man enough to tell that to Babe when he was I'm not chat- man, I'm not man enough to do that he, when he was chastising <laughs> us for using yeah. the word backup I just love Barry losing thought midstream well, it, you know, as, as he's possibly critiquing Romo's do you know how old that, do you know how old they have do you know how old first of all if Romo speaks as long as I spoke in asking that question, it yes. will be an abject. Fi- you cannot. Absolutely. You can. Uh, you cannot speak. You know what happened? That never. Fifteen ends. seconds time. It was a ten-minute question, and you had both hands going. I had both. Not just one. You had both hands. Yeah, just going. to paint the picture, Barry's a bit of an air traffic controller, or a, oh or, the, or the guy down on the runway with the the uh, light-up cones that's guiding the plane. But I finally remembered. But you know. <laughs> I'm I'm an adv- I'm at an advanced age now, where if I very can, advanced that that I was able to come out of my dive and ask a semblance of a question. I don't think you came out of the dive. I think you actually hit ground. Oh no! <laughs> if I hit, hit my head, you walked away from the crash. If, if I, if I would have Harrison Ford of the broadcast, if yeah. I would have if I would have hit my head on Sean, that's that's why we brought you in here. You bring down the average age of, of this podcast. Oh, good. Uh, when Kevin and I are here by by at least ten years, and I'm affordable. Oh. Yes, he is. <laughs> yeah, did you, let's yeah. not uh, let's not skirt past the facts. <laughs> do, you, do you know do you, when we ta- oh, to pull back curtain a little? We talked to Mike Sando earlier, yeah, and we mentioned that the fact he th- he thought he thought we were going to pay him at one point for for doing the po- when I mentioned that really, and, and, and uh, we had to say no, Mi- no, Mike. There's no pay. Man. That's not how radio works. Boy, no kidding, or even podcasts. All right. For Kevin, for Barry, I'm Sean. Thanks to Babe Loffenberg. Thanks to Mike Sando from ESPN. This has been the Cowboys version of the Ballsy Podcast. Be sure to download the Rangers version as we talk to our friend Evan Grant, who's in Oakland. And uh, download everything, like everything, and keep tuning in to the Ballsy Podcast, brought to you by the Dallas Morning News. Later. Thanks for listening to the Cowboys Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.